Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Josh and Kaylee. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Season 2 of Let's Move to Portugal, Kaylee sits down on the couch for a heart-to-heart with her close friend and original expats everywhere patron, Rhonda. They explore life's twists and turns leading up to Rhonda and her husband's transformative move to Portugal. Tune in for a cozy, inspiring conversation about finding a happier, enriched life under the Portuguese sun. What is up, expats and travelers? Welcome back to another exciting season of Let's Move to Portugal. We are officially kicking off season two. Can you believe it? Season two. When we started the podcast, I was like, I don't really know how this is going to go, but I I, guess it's going well. I didn't even know how we were going to break for seasons. Oh, yeah. I'm not. uh, Yeah, I don't know how that works, but I guess we broke and then we did the Spain travel comparison of Spain and Portugal. And now we're back to the like how season one was right. Similar format. We'll get it. We'll get into that. We also can't wait to tease about this week's interview it's a very important interview, actually. We'll touch on that in just a second. But wanted to let you know that, you know, season two is starting off with a bang, but season one finished with a road trip. And I think we're going to be able to do something pretty similar with another kind of neighbor of Portugal. It's not a direct neighbor. I was going to say, who's the, who's the other neighbor? The water? Italy. Going out? Italy. Okay, okay. No, so... So it's very common for people that are moving to Portugal to want to travel Europe and experience Europe and even consider other European countries to migrate to as opposed to moving to Portugal. So we understand that. So we like to go to places and make comparisons with Portugal and the place we're visiting. So we're going to do that with Italy. Yes, we are. We've got a road trip planned, already booked, ready to go. Okay. So for the new listener, we love to pack our seasons with interviews 
from people that are living here in Portugal, as well as different businesses or services that will yeah, help you in your move or help you adjust to life here, right? Yes. So again, like you said, we'll get to the very first one of season two, which is a great one. I'm really excited for you to listen to this. But first, what is going on in the world of expats everywhere that we should update people? Well, I think the biggest thing is, and this is kind of a part of expats everywhere, is the Vertical Community Venture, which is a housing development, a housing project that we started here in Porto, Portugal. And we just published the last video on the YouTube channel, on, on our main YouTube channel, Expats Everywhere. And we have basically directed traffic to a new channel where we're going to put all of the demolition, renovation, redevelopment of, of the building that we bought over onto that channel. Because really, it is two separate things, like the content that we're creating for Expats Everywhere and the content that we're creating the for house. the housing yeah. development. Yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing about this media is what you get here on the podcast is different than what we were able to do on, on the channel, right? Because not everyone wants to listen to 45 minutes of, of somebody chatting where, you know, they're, they're apt to watch a video that's 8 to 12 minutes long. Right. So just a little clarification. Our regular channel, Expats Everywhere, still will exist. Some people have asked, like, are you shutting uh, that one down and you're going just to let's get building with Josh and Kaylee? No, we'll have both um, just because they do function very differently. So... We will have both of those with different styles, different content things on there. Biggest update, not in the world of expats everywhere, but it has massively impacted our world, NHR. is NHR. Oh, the announcement of oh Costa and NHR. So goodness, that's some fun stuff. Could my guy be more vague <laughs> and just scare people? Right? Just I'm just gonna boo, scare you, and then not Sheesh. say anything, then back away. Yeah, that's right. Like the Homer Simpson meme just <laughs> yeah. sliding back, back into the bush. Back into the bushes. Um, so, yes, that is definitely a big thing that we will be touching on on Expats Everywhere, the channel. If you're not familiar with NHR, you need to get familiar because it honestly could make you rush to Portugal. NHR is the non-habitual residence scheme, and it's a tax scheme to incentivize immigration to Portugal – and it's a lower tax scheme and a lower lower, like a lower tax percentage that, percentage you pay for that the, you'd for pay for your first ten years here. Correct. So it's good. It's a tax break. It's a tax break because in general Portugal Portuguese taxes are high, so it is uh, it's a benefit. Yeah, definitely. All right, but enough about that because we will talk about that on the channel. So let's talk about Rhonda. She's our guest today to kick off season two. She and her husband have been here for years, actually. They came they came in right after us, and uh, we've known them for quite a while. Well, I mean, they actually put it that they kind of, like, rode in right behind us. Like, they, they were watching our early stuff and just kind of tracking what we were doing. And then we started having email conversations back and forth with them. And they were like, look, how can we support you? So they're actually our OG patrons on patreon so shout out to them they were the ones that got it all started i had no clue what patreon was at the time and then jeff told me like hey do you have a patreon so we can you know support you guys as creators um so he was really the one that that got it all started like I, in a way like expats everywhere wouldn't exist in its current format if it wasn't for jeff because patreon has done so much for us yeah that's true 
That did happen. So today I talked with Rhonda. Yep. And they base themselves in Figueira de Fage. They've done things obviously very different than us because yes. their kids are older. Yep. Uh, they're retired, but retired young, which was great. So they are able to be a bit more mobile, move around. Obviously, we have Valencia, so we're a bit more in our place. But they ended up doing a place in Figueira de Fage for a really reasonable price, just like a little one bedroom so that they could travel a lot. Yeah, man, have they traveled? It's yeah, it's basically their storage, right? Yeah, they, yeah exactly. Yeah, they they, they talk- store their stuff there, and then they they bounce around to different places. They they house it. Yes. They yeah yeah. It's a smart one. They they because uh, it's a great way to to get around and stay in a new place. Yeah, and they also have some interesting hobbies that will definitely connect with you. Uh, maybe not all of the hobbies will, but they they will certainly have a hobby or two that will connect and give you insight on how you can find the community here, right? Right. Or, I mean, or at least explore opportunities and options to travel and have fun with your hobby. Right. I mean, that's what Jeff does. He likes to run and he does like marathons around Europe, which that is not my hobby. I would not say that. But one hobby that I think we share with them is drinking. <laughs> they do like their poncho. When we met them in Madeira, yeah. uh, we we got to see some of the, their places for poncho, which was, which was nice. Yeah. And before we jump into the episode, we did want to say that Dan has taken kind of a, a new role with the Expats Everywhere podcast production. So he's he's still doing the back end stuff. Dan will still be handling interviews and will still be doing the editing. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> and then also, you know, making an occasional appearance. But, you know, in terms of like the regular weekly welcomes, um, it's it's mainly going to be us. We're going to be chatting with you and chatting with each other. <laughs> yeah, about what's so have happening. fun with that, guys. It's just us. <laughs> yep. It's keeping it nice and intimate. But don't worry, uh, Dan is still around and we and we really appreciate him and all that he does. That's right. So can you tell me like, what was your favorite thing about this episode? I think my favorite thing was we literally just sat on the couch and chatted. We were watching, like just looking and, at each other and we sat on the couch and just had like a conversation of like wherever it took us. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a funny thing to point out about this episode is that it's the first one that's been done in person. Oh, yes. Most of the time the episodes are done um, on like a recording just platform. Remotely, remotely. Remotely, yeah. thank you. But this one, um, because they were going to be in town, they were like, well, we'll just come over and do the podcast. And we're like, "Eh, we never did that before, but let's try it out. So we hope you like it. Well, and definitely because the last end of season one, we were driving, right? So normally I was driving. So we've gone from just, you know, doing it remotely on the computer to then me driving while I was talking. And so this was a fun one because, I mean, we're friends. Rhonda and I are friends. So we just sat down, we had a chat, and uh, she gave some good insights because, again, they're doing things differently. So it's really important how they're doing stuff, and we want to share that with you. That's right. Can't wait for this season. Looking forward to all the interviews that we have scheduled. We already have several scheduled. We're talking about some of the the services that have helped people move here, which will help you. Um, We're going to talk about financial stuff as well. We've got that episode ready to go. So season two, fire. Let's go. Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. Worldpost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. (laughs) Amazon purchases. Amazon purchases. (laughs) And you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. (laughs) 
She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dream since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation. Because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. Rhonda, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. So you've been in Portugal for quite a while, but let's start from the beginning. Why did you choose Portugal? What were you doing beforehand? Uh, so my husband and I, you know, obviously worked a long, long time. And uh, I was an x-ray tech and my husband was an IT architect. And um, we got to a point where... Um, we just got burned out, and I think that's common for a lot of people. So we um, we said, you know, <laughs> we, we got to do something. We had one uh, child still in college, and um, we were actually, my, you know, my husband had quit. I was still working and really didn't want to go back. And um, so we still had one child to get through college. So um, we were using our 401k, which, you know, depleting it quite rapidly. So we're like, well, we need to do something. So um, we looked at Portugal because I have a friend who is uh, was born in the Azores, and she actually got uh, moved to California when she was two. <clears throat> and um, then I met her in North Carolina. And you know, we got to be friends. We were talking about, you know, retiring. And she says, oh, you know, I'm a Portuguese citizen. I guess I could go get my passport and all this kind of stuff. And she says, maybe you, you know, we should retire there because it looks pretty nice and it's pretty inexpensive. So um, just started doing some research about the country. Never visited, never did anything other than Google Maps. And um, uh, so once I I looked at the websites that they show you how much you would spend monthly to, to live in Portugal. And it's like, well, you know, my husband was a social security, a early retirement social security age. So he um, said, okay, well, I'm going to take that. And 
using that calculation, we were able to say, well, look, we could live in Portugal, um, you know, not buy a house or anything at the moment. And so uh, we decided to do it because it was just time to go. And um, so we sold our house, sold our cars, sold everything. And we came over here with two suitcases. And yeah. Did your kids think you were crazy for doing it? Well, you know, the, every, the all the kids didn't think it was going to happen. I mean, I was the instigator because I was like, I, I've always loved to travel and go out and do things. And um, I was like, we, we got to go and we need to we need to travel. I want to see the world before, you know, like, you know, things happen. Life is too short. And um, so once my husband actually agreed, he he has a record collection of you know uh, or had two thousand records and he's had them since he was fifteen, and we've moved many times in the country and he just always boxed them up and moved them and the kids never thought that he would he would move but once he told them that he sold his record collection they they were like oh this it's is serious. really serious yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay yeah so once that happened then um, then it was like a snowball and. You know, the, it was a cathartic thing, you know, just getting rid of everything. And, you know, the attic had, you know, 40 years of or, you know, 30, 40 years of stuff. And um, so, you know, we had to go through that. And, um, yeah, once we did that, it was very freeing. And it was like, let's, you know, let's just go and, you know, see what happens. While going through this stuff, did you ever feel like regret or like maybe we shouldn't do this or like the whole time through it just felt like the right choice as you were kind of paring down on things? Yeah, it just felt like the right choice. It was just a um, – it was like lifting because, you know, when you collect a lot of stuff, you have to take care of it. And then, you know, you just you, – it just weighs you down. So the more we got rid of – you know, and it was good memories because it was funny. Some of the stuff I had in the attic um, – in North Carolina, it gets really hot and really cold and um, not really cold, but really, really hot. So um, the stuff you put up there tends to like melt or oh, yeah. change dimensions. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. a lot of the stuff that I thought were keepsakes, I opened up and it was like all dusted, you know, just nothing. And it was like it's the realization that it was all just stuff. And, um, and that was what it was, you know, even we had like, you know, 20 different photo albums. And so we went through the photo albums, we took pictures or digitized the ones that we really wanted to keep. And then we literally burned everything else. Yeah. And yeah, my, my mother was a little shocked. She was just like, I can't believe you're, can't believe you're doing this. Cause she's an artist and she painted a lot of paintings for us. And I kept a few of those paintings in there, like in storage with some friends, but, um, uh, she had painted these little rocking chairs for the girls when they were like five years old. And they're beautiful. They have our family tartan on them and whatnot. And, of course, you know, girls don't didn't want them, you know. And um, <clears throat> she's like, well, ship them back to me. And, you know, she lives in Oregon and we were in North Carolina. It's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Because she yeah. goes, I'll find somebody for them. And I said, you know, she had a hard time realizing that it was just stuff. But, it, yeah. you know, because it was something she did. So, um you know, I said, I'm going to give them to the Goodwill or donate them to somebody and then they will um, find, you know, somebody will have a good home for them, you know, so yeah. they're going to get reused. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was, you know, for me, it was great. And actually for Jeff as well. I mean, we we went through everything. And we're one of those people that when you go in the yard and you're going to prune the bushes, they usually end up a stump. <laughs> Like, oh, just let's just done. keep going. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a little cleaner here. Let's get this one cleaned up. So, yeah. So we uh, once we started, we just got rid of it all 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's freeing though because now you can move around so easily. And we'll get to that because you guys do move around. Yes. But one question before we talk about Portugal. You didn't look into any other countries. You just – Portugal was kind of on your radar and never had been but just did research and said, okay, this is mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I mean we we thought about like Costa Rica because, you know, that was kind of the – one of the retirement places people went to or, or Ecuador. <clears throat> but, you know, we went to Ireland – two years before we did this and we loved it. Right. And that's in Europe. And we, and uh, it's like, you know, we, we could be on the European continent. Yeah. And then travel would be super easy. So that was, that was a big one for us. So Costa Rica just fell off the list super, super quick. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Being in Portugal, it gives you access to Europe, which is really nice. Yeah. Okay. So you got your D7 visas, you moved over. How did you choose what city you're in and tell us about the city that you're in? Okay, so we're in Figueira de Foz. It's um, halfway between Porto and Lisbon. It's on a train line. Um, it's a um, it's a beach beach town, a vacation spot. So in the summertime, it gets really busy. Usually Spanish, French, um, and some English, but it's mostly like you know Portuguese, Spanish, and French that usually come over there to uh, to go for the summer. Um, but the reason we picked it was it, it's because it was halfway between Porto and Lisbon. So, and we have access with the train to go either of those airports. Um, the other reason was we had always lived like in the mountains or the you know in the trees and whatnot. Never lived on the coast. So we're like you know let's let's go and and spend time there because it's on the coast. Um, and that was our really that was our. That was our choice point. We were thinking about the Algarves, and so we had two two places, either the Algarves or or Figuera. And Jeff's like, "Well, how do we decide which one?" And I said, "Just pick it." Okay, just pick. Just just, just you know, I yeah, said, "Well, what is. what does your heart tell you?" And yeah. he said, "Figuera." So okay. then we just decided to go there. Okay. And how so. long have you been there? <clears throat> Off and on since we got here. So um, it'll be three years in March. Okay. But you call it home base. Have you had a place there the whole time or have you let your no. lease lapse? And well, then- we first landed for the – when we had to do the visa, the D7 visa, it was six-month accommodation. So we just did an Airbnb in Figueroa de Foz. Um, then we spent – after that, we did two months in Madeira and then we did two months in Lisbon. And then at that point, we're like, well, we probably should have a home base address. And so we decided to go to Figueroa at that point. So – Probably since January, so it'll be it'll be two years since in January since we stayed there. And you just um, rent a place, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and have you seen since you moved there? Have you seen prices go up a lot? Yeah. Well, I can't say that it's been a lot. Um, so, like, we rent a one bedroom, very very small one bedroom apartment, and actually, I guess you might call it a studio because. There's a room for a bedroom, but it's where your living room and your bedroom is. Okay. So it's kind of all together. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know what the square meters is. It's, you know, probably 20. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's small. It's, it's small. It's small. Maybe okay. 30. Yeah. But, um, and we're paying 400 euros a month. We, okay. were, we, we did start out paying 390. And then when our lease came up, she's like, well, I'm going to have to, I have to raise it 10 euros. It's like, okay, if we okay. have to. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, if we have to. Yeah. Um. So right after we signed that lease, I think within a few months, the rent started going up and up and up and up and up. And they've really kind of leveled off. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I think the, the, the normal rate um, 
probably for a one or two bedroom is probably between 500 and 500 maybe five six hundred maybe yeah um but if you get you know two or three bedrooms you're one uh, the people that are um on the same floor as us they're also um young younger people a couple and they're expats they they have a three bedroom and they're paying 700 okay so how long have they been there they've been there for mm, six months okay so, so they kind of yeah. new so 700 yeah kinda recently yeah yeah and and then there was somebody that you know and of course this is like if you're looking through Idealista or whatever, but there's always the word of mouth ones. There was like a four bedroom for five hundred a month. Yeah, you know, so it just depends. Um, <clears throat> but it's not uh, it's not near what it is here. In right, Porto. yeah, in Porto, Porto, it is. It's gone up in Lisbon even more. So yeah, it's out of crazy. Totally, yeah. it's like living in Denver or something or Raleigh, North Carolina, where we're from. You know, my daughter was paying. Well, she is paying two thousand a month Oof. for a one bedroom. Yeah. It's, yeah, you know, it, it's insane. It is crazy, so. yeah. And it's yep, definitely going up here. And I think, you know, what we always tell people is there's just a shortage of long-term rentals. Mm -hmm. So the supply and demand is really tough. And, you know, if you look out here in Porto, like the skyline, there's loads of cranes. You see a lot of renovations going on. There's new builds. There's people who are renovating older homes. So it's coming. More is coming as far as you know, long-term availabilities, but it's yeah. just not here yet. And we're also seeing that in smaller towns as well. We were chatting with some Portuguese friends who live in Vizela, and they were saying it's the same thing. Even Portuguese there who want to rent, you know, if they want to move, there's just nothing there. There's nothing available. So, Interesting. yeah, okay. so there's just a, a long-term rental shortage uh, going on right now, but I, hopefully in the next couple of years it, it gets better and, you know, it has a plateau so. and stuff at some yeah. point. But. Yeah, I hope so. I think the, the boom will go away because it'll, it won't become – It's it, right now it's such a novelty – because, I mean, in the last year and a half, just the word, going to Portugal, I mean, the tourist has been insane. The tourism has been insane, and it's just jumped exponentially. Um, but, I, you know, I think eventually people will be like, okay, we've been there. Now, what's the next greatest thing? Yeah. So then it'll yeah, level it's just off. <laughs> the hot one right now. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, definitely for tourism. And then <clears throat> even like, you know, Americans, Europeans, a lot of people, a lot more people moving here right now. And I think it's because as mm -hmm. prices go up in their home country, like the UK, the US, uh, you know, people are seeing I can live somewhere else, you know, in Europe or close by, depending on what, you know, country you're in, either Germany or something. Right. Um, you know, we've got friends from Poland. So just like cost of living goes up. Wow. And they're like, I can come to Portugal and, and the euro goes a lot further here, right? Exactly. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. So that's really nice. Yeah. Okay, so you guys have home base in Figueira de Fage, and mm -hmm. you like it. I mean, it gets busy in the summers. Is it sleepy in the winters? It's not super sleepy. I mean, there's a there's a big. Um, I mean, people get, people move around, so there's there's a more older people that you know. There's some families, and then there's you know more older people, Portuguese people, and they just stay there all year long. And some restaurants close mostly mostly the stuff on the beach, but then the rest of your restaurants that are on the marginal or up or on the river. Because Figueroa de Foz has a river and then the ocean. So if you um, go up on the river, there's, you know, the restaurants stay open because they're there for the people who live on that direction, on the river side. So it's um, it's really not bad, you know, during the winters. It's nice. Okay. So wintertime, maybe just around the ocean, the beach area, you'll have restaurants that will close. But yeah. there's still plenty that's open. Mm -hmm. And is it walkable? Very walkable. In fact, there, but there is some bike stations. I mean, there's huge marginals. They're very wide. There's like a, uh, a mil de paz, which is, uh, it's called the mile, the mile of peace. It's a bore, um, bike, a bike lane and a walking lane. And it goes, um, cuts through the beach area, you know, and it's nice. It's open all year long and people do that. Um, 
there's uh, rental bikes, so it's called Vigash, and you can, for like 23 euros a year, you can get on the bike and ride free um, every 30 minutes at a time, and you can dock it and then take the bike out again. So we ride up and down the Marginal, um, which is like if you go all the way to the end and back, it's like a 5K, and people do that all the time, running or biking or skating. So it's quite, it's quite walkable. We yeah, walk everywhere. Nice. Yeah. Uh, is there public transportation around the city or not really? There is, but it's kind of like hit or miss. I'm not quite sure how it's how it works. Um, it doesn't always come. Mm-hmm. Um, buses, right? Yeah. Buses, yeah. So you're better off to just have, you know, rent, take the little bikes around. Or you can just walk. I mean, it's a 30-minute walk from where we live over to a, you know, a town called Barcos, which... Barcos, uh, which is right at the end of the beach there. And so um, it's, you know, it's a nice walk. Get your exercise, you know, stop and have a cafe on the way, you know, <laughs> yeah. on the way back. Of course, of course. And then a <laughs> beer on the, on the way back, exactly. right? Exactly. Run, fr- yeah, run into friends. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm going to have a toasta and beer. And then, yeah. Well, so you met, you mentioned friends. Are there a lot of expats there or is there a decent expat size group there? There is a very large expat group there. There's probably... I think there's 600 people in the group. Oh wow! And there's some a of them are probably a Facebook from, group. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And some of them are from Coimbra, you know, because we oh. kind of interchange stuff with Coimbra. Um, but they um, they do have meetings once a month, and then everyone has their own little groups that they run into. And anytime you f- find somebody who's speaking English, you're always you know gravitating towards them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. There's been a lot of Americans that have come. And, you know, I haven't kept track of, like, all the other countries, but I know we have South Africans and Australians. Um, there's Germans, Polish. Um, yeah, so there's quite quite a few. Oh, and there's a lot of Brazilians and people from Angola. And so there's, there's actually quite a few. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what's making, you know, obviously making the uh, uh, prices go up uh, because – more interest there. And yeah, there I mean, is. Yeah. There is. And it's calm. I mean, it's, you know, the only the only time it's busy, I would say really seriously busy, is July, June, end of June, July, and August. And then it starts to die down. Okay. And um, so it's just, it's very, very pleasant yeah. to be there. Yeah. Um, what's the age demographic, the, the, the expats that are there? Or is it just kind of all over the place? Are there families? Is it older? Like... I would say the majority are retirees. Mm. There are some families. I would say it's probably 80% retirees, 20% families. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good to know. So, okay. So it's busy in the summers. Um, How hot does it get in the summers and then how cold and what's the weather like in the winter? Uh, So in the summer, I mean, this year was the hottest since we've been there and we we got up to a 92 and there was no breeze. So that was actually really hot. Mm. Normally there's a, a, a lovely breeze, you know, you know, 15 mile an hour, which is, you know, people don't say, oh, that's a lot of wind, but it keeps it cool. Yeah. So, you know, the I would say the average in the summertime is like 75. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah it's nice. And then it's it's it gets cool enough that you could actually put on a light jacket in the evening. Okay. And uh, so, but it's really nice to be on the beach in the, in the um, during the day. And, and the sun is so intense that it is hot, even though it says it's only 75. When you're sitting in the sun and you've got a windbreak there, you just, you bake. Uh-huh. But, um, so put your sunscreen on. Yeah, put your sunscreen <laughs> yeah. on, and then you know if you w- want to feel the breeze, literally you either step in the shade and it's like ten to fifteen degrees <laughs> cooler, or you just let the breeze get you, or you go stand in the ocean for a little bit. But um, yeah. the um, the winters are rainy, 
Um, but, it, you know, we're talking, I don't think it gets below, what would that be, nine degrees, which is 40, I guess about 40, 45. Yeah. That's the coldest. Okay. Um, but it does, you know, it's damp, so it does go in and to your bones. It makes you feel like you're colder. Okay. And, of course, all the buildings are tile and everything's tile, so usually you're... Your building is really cold, so you know don't have um, don't have uh, either a split or whatever. Most of the buildings uh, apartments have you have to get yourself a space heater. Okay, so yours doesn't have heat or air. Okay, no. so you have a space heater. Like we it's have, necessary to have a space heater yeah. or to have some sort of heat in the there. Winter. It is. It yeah. is definitely. It is um, in the summertime. You know. We are up on the ninth floor, so we're up high enough that you just open the windows and open your door a crack, and and you just get a lovely breeze. So oh. it's never we've never really been hot, and okay. of course, we're from North Carolina. We like it warm. So, you know, some people might think it's just too hot for them. People yeah. from you know northern UK or something where you know, but we love it. We love it there. Okay, but, great. Yeah. So it's home base, but you guys travel a lot. So what have you been able to do uh, travel-wise since you've since you've been here? Um, so let's see. We got here in 2021, which was still, you know, locked down. And as soon as they raised the restrictions, we were out. And we did all traveling in Portugal, uh, mostly. And then 2022, March of 2022, we went to, uh, we did a three-month backpack tour of Europe. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was, you know, it was one of those things you feel like, oh, I'm, you know, a college, you know, in between <laughs> high school and college and Did going to Did you stay in Europe. hostels? Yeah, we yeah. stayed in some hostels. That okay. was, yeah, that was interesting. Um, <laughs> but we we really tried to stay in like the pensions, the cheaper places, uh-huh. um, like the mom and pop hotels that you got. And so, you know, we, you know, some of the places, like we were in Pisa and we only paid 40 euros for the, a night for this place we stayed at. And so... Um, but yeah, that was really fun. So we did twenty countries okay. in, in the three months, uh, which was nice. That was fun. Okay, so let's break it down. So first, you traveled Portugal, and how did you travel around Portugal? We did all trains. Okay. Um, I think we took a, we did buses to like Nazaré or to um, San Martino de Porto because there's the main train that goes up and down kind of the middle west of the country, and then you have these little side trains that will take you to like the coast cities. And um, they're always slower or whatever. So we would take some of those to go to the coast towns um, and we just tried to stay on the train as much as we could. You know, of course, when they started having strikes, that was a little more, <laughs> a little more challenging. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we did, we, goodness, we did, uh, we went to Tomar, we did um, Braga, Viana do Castelo, uh, Aviro, Espino. Yeah. Um, All without a car. All without train a car, and bus. without yeah. a car, we didn't have a car at all. The only time we finally rented a car, we wanted to go to the Alentejo region, mm-hmm. and we thought, okay, well, we could get to Evora on on the train, but you know, we wanted to go to Beja and some of those other places and see different castles. So that really even needed a car. Yeah, and so that's like our next thing. We did everything we you know we could probably do with not not yet, but you know. Um, yeah, we do it as much as we can on the train. And then if there's some other things like, you know, Serra de Estrella, um, Jerish National Park, we want to go through there. And those you really have, you have to have, to have a car. car. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, but doable, obviously, to do a lot of Portugal mm-hmm. on the train and the bus. Yes. And, um, for you listeners, the train is 
public, so that's why you get those strikes, but the bus is private, so they're a little more reliable, those between cities and stuff, if you do the bus, and, and definitely decently Price, oh, it's much yeah. less expensive, and I and I have decided now that we we just take the bus from Fig to either Lisbon or Porto, either yeah. one, because it's faster. You don't have to change trains and or buses. You just go, and it's usually and it's like, reliable, you know, right? Three, yeah, like four bucks. It's so easy. I know we've been yeah. doing bus a lot more just because it, it's yeah the same reasons. It's reliable. It's fast. As long as you make sure you're not necessarily traveling during maybe like rush hour, right? Right. But even that, it's not too bad. It's generally like like. For us, if we're coming back into Porto, we just want to make sure we don't hit during evening rush hour because we might catch some um, traffic on, you know, the highways. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not even that bad. So No, the traffic's not bad. I know, yeah. So <laughs> the buses, yeah. Um, I'm always looking at Flix bus. That, they're my favorite. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's how we get up here. And um, even the, the Hedy Espresso or however uh, you yeah. say it, they are more expensive. They're almost on the lines of the, of the trains. So... You know, if I can, we'll we'll do Flixbus, but sometimes, you know, they don't. They only have one time they leave out of Figueroa in the day morning. So, um, and so that's a challenge. And we can't ride it back from when we get into Porto, depending on what time. It's usually, you know, it's already gone. So mm-hmm. we um, just take usually take the train. And in when you're in um, Porto, Campania, you can take the late train, like an eight o'clock train, and it goes directly to Fair. Figueroa de Foz, you don't have to get off at Coimbra or Alfarelish. Oh, okay. And it's like an old diesel-style train. It has the cushy uh, velvet-covered bench seats. Yeah. It's awesome. It's like, <laughs> you get on there, it's like, I feel like we're in the 50s, and, you know, we're just chilling until we get there. We don't even have to get off. Okay, because so. normally you do have to switch over trains yes. in Coimbra, right? Yes. Coimbra yeah. or Alfarelish. Okay. So either one. But usually this train, particular train, you do not have to do that. So. Okay. So a couple of them. That's so funny. it's been fun to try to, you know, find those kind of things that you um, – um, to help your uh, trip be more pleasant. So. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so that's Portugal. And then how did you move around uh, Europe when you did your three-month backpack? Um, so we, what we did was we did mostly trains. We flew from Lisbon to Barcelona, and then we did the trains through the um, uh, French Riviera, through Monaco nice, and yeah. Nice and Marseille. And, and then we took the train all the way over to Genoa. 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 Um, and then we went from there to Pisa and then flew to Malta. And then we flew to Sicily. And then we took the train ferry from Sicily over to the main island of our main uh, um, Italy. And um, that was really fun because there's only two tra- train ferries in the world. Okay. So there's this one that goes from Sicily to um, Italy and then another one, I think, in Norway. But um, yeah, What's a train the train ferry. The train gets onto the ferry. Oh. So they put all the There's cars. tracks? On yeah, the there's ferry? tracks on the ferry for this particular train. So they can get four cars, two on each side, I think. Yeah. And then you just get out and you get up on go on the top and you can it's only like a half an hour ferry ride and then they, you know, unload at the other side, then they get off the tracks. I mean it's it's definitely a big fiasco because they have to, you know, there's two different trains that come down from Sicily into I want to say Messina, but I'm not totally sure. But um, and so then they have to kind of combine them and then get them on the track and onto the ferry, and then on the other side they have to back them out and then get them so they're going the right direction. But yeah, <laughs> okay, it's fun. Yeah, it was a it's a long cool it's a long a long day. I mean, it was uh-huh. nine hours. Okay, basically just to go to Napoli from uh, we were in Palermo. Yeah, yeah. 
<clears throat> but that was worth it. It was fun. So yeah. then we just did the trains all the way up Italy and um, all trains all the way. Went to Innsbruck, went to Munich. Um, oh, we did fly. Uh, we went to Vienna and we, and we flew to um, Budapest because it was really hard to figure out the trains to go from Vienna or to Austria over there because you somehow you have to get off the train to the border and then they take a bus to another station and it's like... Uh, and I'm not speaking that language, so it's like, okay, we'll just take an f- air flight. That's yeah. a lot cheaper. Cause it, and it was like, a, again, like an eight or whatever hour train ride versus a two-hour plane. Yeah. And it's like, for the price, it's like, yeah, we'll just do the plane. Uh-huh. So, that makes sense. Yeah, so that was good. And then we took the train back to um, Prague. We did back and forth. Um, and then we went, up, uh, we went up to Krakow, Poland. That was nice. And then I think we flew from Krakow back down to... Um, Prague again so we went back to Prague yeah yeah and then we took trains to Berlin and then we went to Hamburg and Copenhagen and then we flew from Copenhagen back to Amsterdam so we did a few few planes but mostly trains yeah and it was it was it was pretty easy you know we tried I tried to plan like most of it especially in Italy because there's a lot of things that you want to see as far as tourist destinations so you want to get tickets for that early okay yeah. so I would plan I planned like a month ahead for that and then it's like well you know Maybe we'll just try to be spontaneous and just try to see, you know, if we want to go to these places where we want to go. And we we had mapped out the kind of whole the whole the whole course um, first, and then we um, uh, and then we you know kind of changed our mind as as we got going. So it got How a lot did that easier. work out. It was good, you know. I I said, you know, we want we eventually would love to be spontaneous, like go to the airport and just say where where's the plane's going today? Let's let's get on one. Yeah, but you know. We still we planned like a week out in advance, and we had fun. We we were fine. I think you need to plan at least a week out to get any kind of price break. If you do it, or just do it the day of, you might get a good deal. But if you're anywhere between, you know, the day of and then a week before, the prices are going to be a lot higher. So you need to plan at least a week out in advance. Yeah. So that was good. So we you know we did that, and um that worked that worked out good for the final leg of the trip, and um. So yeah, so yeah, we got up to the tulip fields in Amsterdam. Nice. That was great. Yeah. Uh, so we had to plan the date because they have certain dates that it's blooming. So right, then we had yeah. to say, okay, that's a hard stop. We have to be there for that kind of thing. But other than that, it was just kind of however we got there. Yeah. So then has this move been everything you were hoping it to be? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we've really, you know, we've really experience the things we want to experience. I mean, it's been a challenge because in some sense, um, when we first got here, you know, I started to have like little panic attacks because I don't speak Portuguese. And it's like, what happens if we have some medical emergency? You know, how am I going to talk to these people? And, you know, I don't know, you know, what to say. And so it, it was very, um, I, I had a lot of anxiety and I ended up having you know, medical tests and everything. And my heart was fine. I just, was having anxiety. So the comparison is when I worked in the hospital, we had a lot of Spanish people, Hispanic people that would come in and they're, you know, trying to immigrants or else they're, you know, illegal or whatever, but they did not speak, <clears throat> they did not speak the language. And, you know, I didn't speak their language very well. I mean, I spoke a little bit, but now I could say, I totally understand what it's like to be an immigrant. Yeah. And, you know, that was one thing I wasn't ready for. You know, I just thought, oh, we'll come over here. It'll be, it'll be great. But 
the language barrier and the is really um, it's not a it's not a huge issue because you you know if you don't let it become a huge issue you know you tr do your best you try and you know most people are very kind and they will help you with your Portuguese or whatever and you have the translator and that works but um, yeah I think that was that was one of the things that was tough okay that's good to know but other than that <clears throat> it was it's been great and and the bureaucracy in Portugal is a challenge. It's not the same as the States, so you have to be patient. Yeah. You know, we exchanged our driver's licenses. We you know, did all, you know, all kinds of stuff, worked on our NHR, the uh, tax scheme thing. You know, um, going to the post office is, is an excitement. You know, because <laughs> none of them <laughs> seem to speak English, right? At the post office, it's yeah. really hard to find someone who has any, even a basic level of English. So yeah. it's quite a uh, fun fumbling. So you that try one. to just do your, you know, you have the translator on your phone, so you just use that, and you know, it's every day that you have to do something. It's always, it's always just, it's a puzzle, and it's all, it's just a, it's like um. I don't want to say it's like a game, but it's just it's like a learning process, and it's exciting. And you know, if you if you go about it that way. And realize that it, nothing's going to happen instantly. It's not. It's not the states. Everyone runs on a different clock here. Mm -hmm. Then you'll be fine. You yeah. know, the whole point is to be uh, positive about it, and you know, you should be excited that you're in this new life, and that you know, you know, there are. It's. It is endless. It just depends on what you want to do. Yeah, mm -hmm. how you take it, right? Yeah, how you take it. But you know, a lot. There's a lot of people, and I see this in Figuera. You know, they go, okay, we're coming. We want to buy a house. We're gonna buy a house, and that's what we're gonna do. It's like you haven't even spent any time here. Yeah, you know, spend some time in the in this country. You know, decide exactly where you want to be, um, and then once they get it, then they have to remodel it, and then they have to deal with all the, you know, contractors and this and that, and and you know, we're not there yet at that point because we we haven't decided. We want to just be free, and and everybody has their what they what their comfort zone is. Everybody wants to do different things, and that's fine. Just realize that if that's what you're going to do, that that's what you're doing. You know? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. That's not our choice. So yeah. You have a, are you hoping to buy at some point, or you're not sure? <laughs> are you just kind of enjoying the ride? We're just enjoying the ride. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be it's a number of years down the road, probably after we get our passport. Hopefully, we'll get that. In a yeah. So few you're going to do citizenship. Yeah, we're going to yeah. do the citizenship, and then and then decide because we may not even end up. Staying in Portugal, Staying right? In Portugal. You've got citizenships yeah. to see what else is out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so. but it's good for now, right? It's good for now. Yeah, I think it's good. Our 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 lease runs out in June next year, and then and we're not going to renew. We're gonna we're uh, I think we're doing the Olympics, and we're going to stay in France for two months. Okay, cool. And then and then um, and then when we come back or in September, we'll either go down to the Algarves maybe or back to Madeira. You know. Like and post up there, that'll be home base. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah, one of those. Probably not the Algarves. I no, it's too too touristy. Yeah, but, it does get touristy. You know, Madeira might be good for like the winter and maybe to get the rest of our language classes in and then decide from there. But yeah, because yeah. you need that for the for the citizenship, huh? Yes. Yeah. So we finally have a, a window of time that we can do that. So now we're doing the A one. Okay. And. um if they can do the A2 starting in January, then we'll do that because we have other plans in the spring and the yeah. summer. Yeah, so. so how are you navigating that? Because that's a big one. Like if you're traveling and such, it's really hard to be taking these classes. So can you do online stuff as well if you're not there or you have to be there in person? Or how are you doing the classes? Well, no, the so we're doing the PLA. Um, it, it's the one sponsored by the, the government, I guess. And 
um, it's A1 level and A2 level. And then once you get those the A2 level, then you get the certificate so that you don't have to take the language test for the citizenship. But you have to be there the, the whole time. So that's why it's been so hard. We've been here almost, you know, almost three years, and we're just taking the A1 course now because we, we were going to go somewhere with Jeff's mom for three months um, in September, but we're pushing that off till spring. So now we have three months in September, you know, September to the end of December to, um, to do this class. So it just happened to work out. So, yeah, so we just – it's really – just a matter of trying to find where. In fact, we were thinking we could take them down in the Algarve. So down in Far Farho and Tavira and uh, Portimao, they have a lot more uh, openings for those kind of classes down there. Of course, okay. then you have to rent something. So it's like the rents go down in the wintertime. So it's like, okay, we could take a class in the winter down there, You know, get an apartment like 500 a month, I think, for the winter down there, which is really good. And do that. So, you know, that's another option. But um, it's, it, yeah, it's been a challenge. I know, <laughs> so finally we got it. So we got one. It's like, well, we'll we wanted to do A1 and A2, but it's like, we'll take A1. That's fine. And so then, you're doing you're doing it in Forget, Forget It Afage, mm -hmm. and it's three months. Mm -hmm. And how many times a week do you do it? It's three times a week, three hours a, a day. Um, they have to be done by December 15th. Um, so... And they're not starting till October sometime, so we figure they've got to have three. They've got to have three classes a day, uh, three classes a week, three hours a day to get the seventy-five hours. Because yeah. each A one is seventy-five hours and A two is seventy-five hours. Um, so to get that it and be done by the fifteenth, then that's what we'd have to do. Yeah. So that's fine. And it's free, right? It's free. Yep. Yep. Good this particular. This particular place, they're going to have three offerings, morning, afternoon, and night, and evening. Um, so, you know, we pick the afternoon class and yeah. we'll be done. Because we, we, we do dog sits, too. So we go, when we travel, we also try to find homes um, to do dog sits because then that's free room and board. Or not room, uh, board, but room. And um, so we're going December 22nd to... Switzerland, Basel, Switzerland for the Christmas time to do a dog sit. So Nice. Yeah. Explain that for our listener, what you guys do. Because you guys use Trusted House Yeah, we use TrustedHouseSitters.com. And so you sign up uh, to become a, a sitter. You have to have like three references. Um, uh, and you write a little deal about yourself and post pictures or whatever. And then you just start looking for the, uh, the sits and they list them all over the world. Um, and you can pick whether you want to just to do a dog, a cat, farm animals, whatever, or no animals. You can do just a house sit. There's, those are pretty rare. but um, And then you just pick the place you want to go. And sometimes they have a car with the, with the sit and sometimes they don't. So sometimes you have to have your own transportation. But, you know, if you're looking for a place just to hang out and chill for a while and that's not where you live currently, then, you know, it's a, it's nice, you know. And so. it's free to sign up, right? No, it's a, oh, it's oh, a okay. yeah, okay. it's 160 euros a year, I think, okay. for membership. Okay. And obviously the more people that you get to sign up, you know, using your special little code, then you get discounts or extended months for your membership. Ah, okay. Uh, but seriously, I mean, if you like this place we're going in, in Basel, we're flying in. The flight was, you know, 50 euros round trip to get to Basel. We're staying at their house the night before they go, and we're staying at their house the, the night they come back. 
So that's all it's going to cost us plus food. Yeah, to, which to is awesome because obviously Switzerland's expensive and yeah. during that time of year as well. Yes. So, so that's great to have your accommodation paid for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing, you know, the other, but also you have to watch, like we did one um, in um, in the UK last year, we wanted to see the uh, New Year's Eve celebration in London. Uh-huh. And so we looked for a sit there and we found this one that was, you know, 30 minute um, tube ride back into town. And, um, but it, you know, the airfare was like, 200 bucks round trip so you know you kind of have to say okay well how much is my airfare to get there you know is it worth it to you know even though you you get free air room and board so yeah and then if you stay there for the for the dog and then they come back then it's like okay well if i'm not done seeing what i want to see then i got to pay for a hotel anyway so yeah you know it's it's kind of a trade-off i I think if you you just want to go and and hang out somewhere then it's good if you want to be a tourist when you're there, then you either get one that's a cat where you can be gone all the time. Yeah. Or a bird and a or something. <laughs> a or bird, chickens, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, something like that. Um, otherwise you're really kind of stuck. Because a lot of people say, Oh, don't leave the dog more than three hours, four hours at the most. Oh, okay. Which, you know, I, I that's the whole point. You're there to watch their dog. So Yeah. You know. That makes sense. So but yeah, but, but, but it has been you. good. Yeah. So you do it every once in a while. Obviously, it's not like your main thing, but like you can take a look and if something, mm-hmm. you know, you have the freedom. So if something comes up, you're like, hey, let's do that. Or we haven't thought about doing that, like going there or something else. Yes. Yeah. That'd be great. It's, it's, so it's, it's worked out for when we use it. We've used it a few times a year. So that's good. Great. Well, Rhonda, any parting words for our listeners uh, about Portugal or just the the life that you've chosen in general? Um. Well, again, life is short. Uh, you know, enjoy it while you can. Uh, be open to different adventures. Um, realize that even every day is just an adventure, especially when you're here, because things are so different than they are in the States or any other country. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and just, yeah, just just relax. Just enjoy it. That, just enjoy the ride. That's probably the... Biggest thing I can say is that you just got to let, not that things bother you. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. And for us, we always like to ask, uh, experts everywhere, we believe that living abroad transforms life. So how has this journey transformed your life? I realized that the people out in the world, there are, people are really kind. You know, you get into your little rut in your home base that you're at and you, and you uh, don't look out around at all the other people. And it's like when you're out there and, and you put yourself out there, you meet people that are, are very kind and you, and you see cultures that you haven't ever seen before. So I, I think that that's how it's changed our life. It's really opened up the, the um, possibilities of meeting new people and seeing uh, what life is like outside of the United States, which there's a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Rhonda. Thanks. Have a good one. So, listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the Digital Nomad Visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the Digital Nomad 
or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 